Today is a special day. Uh, we're putting a pause on our In It, Not Of It series as we've been going through the book of Daniel. Uh, we'll pick that back up next week. But I am honored today uh, that we have a special guest with us. You heard, uh, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Don talk about uh, her uh, with a great smile on his face because this is his daughter. And uh, sharing all that she has been able to do and all that she's done. One thing I love about Denise is she has such a humble spirit and she delivers the word of God with such humility. And she has a heart to see the spirit and the power of God heal our hearts. And I know without a doubt that he is using her to do just that. And so I am, I am excited and I'm honored today that she was able to come and be with us. And I know that you are going to be blessed today. The, the offering that we received today is going to go to bless Denise and Reclaiming Heart Ministry. So if you're looking for how to give, there's boxes by this exit door. There's one in the lobby as well. You can do it online also. Just, uh, But all offering today will be going to Denise and Reclaiming Hearts. But will you do me a favor? Will you help me welcome this morning Miss Denise Jones, as she comes to the stage. Good morning. Um, Apparently, I don't know most of you. Uh, So I'm Denise, and this is my home church for many, many years, and I have not been uh, in this pulpit for a very long time. So I hope you packed lunch, and we'll just feed the multitudes with whatever you have. No, I'm joking. Uh, It is an honor to be with you. I feel like God has given me a sobering message for us this morning. If the last few years have shown us anything, it's that the enemy has waged tremendous assault on our hearts. We've seen it through COVID and what it produced with loss and fear. We've seen it through um, sickness that people have suffered Now we're seeing it in um, financial situations in people's lives. But I don't believe that we're seeing it anywhere more evident than in the assault on children. You know, there have been moments in life where it feels like we know the enemy's out there somewhere. But I don't know about you, but I just feel like the curtain's been pulled back. And he is not trying to hide anymore. In fact, it feels like he is operating with an increased emboldenedness. We know he's after our hearts. But now it's very evident that he's after the hearts of our children. And you know, the enemy has been after the hearts of children for a very long time. It's not a new game. But I feel like for some of us, it feels exceptionally real now in a different way. 
If you're sitting in this room this morning and maybe you don't have children of your own, I am very sensitive to that in the hearts of people because I never had children of my own. And Mother's Day could be a really hard day when you didn't have children of your own. But I want you to know that we all impact some child somewhere. And I believe this is a message for each of us. So as we enter just these few moments together this morning, my hope is that you won't think about who isn't here. You won't even think about the person sitting next to you. But I want each one of us to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? In fact, could we do that right now, each one of us, right where we are? In a quiet of a moment, will you just ask the Lord that? Thank you, Father. The writer John Eldridge says it this way. He says, we live in a world at war. This is a love story, but it is set in the middle of a war. And that's where we live. We live in a war zone. In fact, Ephesians 6 tells us what that looks like in 612. It says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, though the enemy is a master at making us think we are. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I bet many of us in this room could think of some person that we think we're in a battle against, but the scripture makes it very clear. We are not in a battle against each other. No matter how many times the enemy tries to wage our hearts against one another, we are in a battle against flesh and blood enemies, not against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. First Peter 5, 7 and 9 says it this way. It says, be alert and of sober mind for your enemy. That's our enemy. The devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So it's really important this morning that we realize we do not have an ambivalent enemy. We have a very strategic, watching, praying, alert enemy. And so that means your and I's heart need to be alert as well. But our children's heart also have that same exact enemy. If you would look at statistics pre-COVID and post-COVID, you would find that the rates of anxiety in children, the rates of depression in children, the rates of escalating suicide in children, and the rates of cutting in children has increased exponentially. And again, it's almost like the, the curtain was pulled back with COVID. Whatever that whole thing was, the curtain was pulled back and what was really inside came out into the surface. And now we have a new war we're waging against the very identity of our children. 
the very heart and soul of who they are. When the very beginning of our story makes it so clear, it's the very first time the Trinity, the concept of the Trinity is brought into scripture. God says this, he like gathers Jesus and gathers the Holy Spirit together. And he said, let us make man in our image. So you and I were made in the very image of God. And then he goes farther. He says, let us make them male and female. And now the culture is trying to totally redefine to the point that there is no identity left at all, that we can be whoever we want to be. And what I've discovered is if any heart can believe that, then it makes it very easy to reject a Jesus that says, this is how I created you. This is the identity that I have for you. You're a child of the living God. You're, you're an heir to the King. It wants to make them resist any kind of identity at all. So it's a very strategic effort the enemy has for the hearts of our children. So what do we do? What do we do in a moment like this that is so shocking and hopefully sobering to our spirits? Well, God always has an answer. Remember, he's still the same God. He's the same God when Pharaoh sent out the edict to kill all the children under two years old. He's the same God when Herod sent out the edict to kill all the children under two years old. He's still the same God. He's the same God that sent the children of Israel through the flood and they walked on dry ground. He's still the same God that hid Daniel from the mouths of lions. He's still the same God. Nothing about this season or moment is catching him off guard, even if it catches us off guard. So what do we do? Well, he said this in Deuteronomy 4.4. It begins this way. It says, attention, Israel. But I just want to ask you, put your name in that space. Attention, Denise. God, our God, God, the one and only, the Lord God is one. One God in three persons, but one God. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. This is the commandment because it is in loving God this way that everything else exists and survives. And then he gives this message to the parent. He said, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. That means they have to be written on our hearts first. What did they tell you on those instructions on the airplane that nobody ever listens to? Do you remember what the flight attendants tell you when they're up there with the seatbelt and then they have the little bag and they pull it down? And what did they say with the mask? Your face first. Why do they say that? They know because with a drop of loss of pressure in a cabin that you could pass out before you could get the mask on your child. So they tell you, take stock of you first. So we get them in us, the 
loving your God with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole soul so that we can then get it into our children. And how do we do this? He says it so clearly in Deuteronomy. He said, just talk about it wherever you are. Just sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your home and on your very city gates. Do you know what I've learned is it's just easy to let children enter your journey with Jesus. Just share with them what God's been teaching you or showing you. Hey, can can I tell you that just the other day, I was asking God about this, and all of a sudden, by the end of the day, this is how he answered me. It doesn't always have to be a Bible study at the end of the evening or devotions around the dinner table. It can be all of that. But it's also enjoying them in a carpool line. Sharing something Jesus has done in your life when they ask for that extra time at night, you know, when we just really want them to go to sleep. And you know they're really playing you for just five more minutes to be awake. But God is giving you a divine opportunity to deposit one last thing at the end of the day. You can do it when you're getting ice cream or sitting around your table. But what I have learned is we cannot give what we do not have. So do you, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, teacher, grandparent, Friend, do you love him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength? We are not living in a moment of time where our love can be indifferent or ambiguous. We are living in a moment of time that requires all that we are. Do you remember when you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember the moment? For some of us in this room, we may not be able to give all of our heart and soul and mind of relationship with Jesus to our children because we've never given him. See, Matthew 18, 13 says, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And friends, I know scripture says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. But conversion is a transformation of our being. It is not just a simple prayer we pray. It is an offering of ourself and a receiving of a holy God. And it is a saying, I am giving you all all of me for all of you. Conversion changes our mind. It changes our will. It changes our actions. Scripture says you will know them by their fruit. There is evidence of a changed heart and a changed life. 
Have you given him your life? Have you truly repented and made him Lord of your own heart? Or maybe you're just struggling. Maybe you've walked away from that first love moment with Jesus. In the book of Revelation, it begins with these seven letters to seven churches. They were seven specific churches at the time that John received this prophetic word from the Lord. But they also, theologians say, can represent seven moments of history of the church. Or they can all be represented of the church of the living God at any moment in history. But there was one particular church that Paul had a letter for. And it was a church of Ephesus. And it's in Revelation 2, verse 1. And he said it this way. He said, write this to Ephesus, to the angel of the church, the one with seven stars in his right fist grip, striding through the golden seven light circles. He speaks. And this is what he said. I see what you've done. Your hard work, your refusal to quit, I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause that you never wear out. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? You know God never asks questions because he doesn't know answers. He asks questions so you and I will get curious about our own hearts to figure out what's going on inside of them. What happened? He asked. Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? This is a sobering word right here. A Luciferian fall, a Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. How can we give a love to our children that we do not have? Jeremiah 2.2 says, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. I am not going to ask any man in this room to raise his hand when I pose this question. But how many of you know there is a difference between a bride and a wife? Anybody know that? It's true. You can tell a bride that you just married that for the next six months, you are going to live in a tiny house on a 14,000 cliff and you're going to eat whatever is in the jungle. And she is going to look at you and bat her eyes and tell you that is what she has always dreamed of. And rest assured, it has never one time crossed our mind. But you can tell a bride who's been married to you longer than six months that you're going to do this. And what do you think she's going to tell you? She's going to say, dude, pack your bags. 
I'm staying here in the big house and just make sure you leave money for the mortgage and groceries. Because there is a difference between a bride and a wife. And apparently God knows this too. Because he told Israel, he said, how as a bride you loved me. You trusted me to go with me anywhere. You were willing to go with me in a wilderness to a land that hadn't been sown. And that's how you and I were when we first came to the Lord. It's like we were willing to go with him anywhere. Now, there were a few of us that hesitated for a few moments because there was this perpetual fear for some reason that we were all going to Africa when we came to know Jesus. I don't know where that came from, but I do think it prevented a lot of people. It took a lot of people a lot longer to come to Jesus for that fact, for some reason. But for most of us, when we came to the Lord, we were willing to do anything he asked and go anywhere he asked us to go. And now he could look at us and say, listen, I'm calling you to California. And we would be like, God, we need to talk. They do not eat fried fish in California. They only eat raw things. And they think we marry our cousins. Like we cannot go to California. I do. I have a sweet bonus daughter out there. She went to a school out in California. And she said she had friends there that actually told her, don't y'all marry your cousins out there? And she came home and she was like, do we marry our cousins? I'm like, no, babe, we don't. Well, maybe somewhere back there, but none that we know of anymore. So how do we lose first love? How does that happen with Jesus? It, It happens pretty much the same way it does in a marriage. You get comfortable. You focus more on the have-tos. You know, you make the bed, you feed the dog, you get the kids from school, you do the homework, you do the housework, you pay the bills, you take out a second mortgage for the groceries. You make the dinner, you put on the grandma PJs because they're just so comfortable. And he wears the old Clemson boxer shorts from like 26 years ago. And you're like, they're not even a real team. text each other from separate rooms because you're watching different shows. You know you do this. And before you know it, you haven't had a date night in 15 years and you don't even remember the last time your pulse quickened when you heard the garage door come up. It's not much different with our relationship with the Lord. We just get comfortable doing what we've always done. We go to church. We pay our tithe. Maybe we teach somewhere. We read a devotional every now and then. But we have forgotten what the presence of the Lord was like. And yet we can come in a place like here on Sunday morning and we can encounter it. But this is not the only place to encounter it, friends. There is a presence of the Lord that is longing for you. 
He's longing for you in any secret place you will carve out for him. In the wee hours of the morning with the first cup of coffee before anyone else has risen, when you're on the commute to work and you have an opportunity just to shut out the world and be alone with the Lord and listen to what he is saying and asking and inviting you to. He wants our heart to move back to him, but it requires us to linger and to listen and to long. So some of us may even need to pray some really bold prayers. Our prayers may need to sound like, Lord, I need you to increase my hunger for you. I need you to awaken the dead places in my heart and in my life. I need you to reveal to me whatever lies I have believed about you. That you're not good or that you're not just or that you won't come through for me. You'll come through for everybody else, but you won't come through for me. That I'm not good enough for you to use me anymore because my past has disqualified me for my future. And we look at Jesus in that moment and we say, I need you to break up every lie. I've ever believed about you so that I can encounter you and your voice in a way I've never encountered you before. God will honor that prayer every single time. Because he has a word for you. He has a word for your heart from his voice that doesn't always come from this pulpit. But it comes from your own personal cultivating of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we cannot have it if we're not willing to get alone with him. And I know sometimes that's scary. It's like, what do I do? It feels so weird. I've never done it before. Sometimes it's just sitting in the quiet of the morning. And shutting out all of the noise. We live in a very noisy world. Because we have volume screaming at us anytime we want it in the palm of our hands. We cannot hear if we are not quiet. But God is a speaking Father, and he wants to get his voice to us. Praying those kind of prayers puts us back into a first love posture. What keeps us there? The Holy Spirit. Cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's this passage in Acts 19.2 where Paul meets some Ephesian believers. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. I do know you have because I know your pastor has been teaching some on the Holy Spirit. But I think a lot of us have lived our lives petrified 
Is he going to make us look crazy, do something weird? We've seen weird. There's this little boy, and he was in his room, and he was scared at night. And so his mom came in, and she said, baby, you don't have to be scared. She said, the Holy Ghost is in here with you. Like, who tells a kid this? Don't be afraid. The Holy Ghost is here. You know where this is going. And so as soon as she walks out of the room, the kid is like in the colors, petrified. And he's like, Holy Ghost, if you're in here, don't come out because you're going to scare me half to death. And I think that's how so many of us have lived. Because if we have heard about him, then it sounded weird. But what we have missed is the gift of who he is. Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, you want me to go away. He said, I'm telling you, I know you don't fully get it, but you want me to leave. Because if I leave, the Holy Spirit, the advocate is coming in my place. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word is present tense. It means be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It means waking up every morning and asking him to fully fill you afresh and anew. But can I tell you something about being filled with the Holy Spirit? You cannot be fully filled with the Holy Spirit if there are aspects and places of your heart that you will not give him access to. If there are places in your life that you are thinking you can keep hidden or you can keep all your own, you will never encounter the fullness that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. And the other thing that prevents us from the fullness of the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, you can give me this of you, but I don't want this of you. You can't get all the Holy Spirit has if you don't want all of him. But he comes with so many wonderful things. As we close and the singers come, can I just read to you one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture about the character of the Holy Spirit? On top of his character, he has fruits and gifts. I mean, he is just the all and the all. And we have access to him any time. So Isaiah 11.2 says this. It gives us his very nature. It says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That means... That the Holy Spirit is God in spirit form living on the inside of you. 
God lives on the inside of you. In the Old Testament, it was only priests that could even enter into the presence of God. And now you and I have the very presence of God, the Spirit of God Himself living on the inside of us. And do we live that way? Scripture says the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And how little do we settle for? My, my prayer, my most recent prayer has been this. God, please don't let me get to heaven and realize I left anything about you on the table. Don't let me get to heaven and realize I could have accessed you in a way I never accessed you or prayed in a way I never prayed or asked you for something I never asked you for or wielded a weapon that I never wielded. I want to use all the arsenal on the table because we need it in this war. We need everything he has in this war. And the very spirit of the living God, God in spirit form, lives on the inside of us. And he says this, I'll give you a spirit of wisdom. That actually means in the Greek, it means skill of war. So I don't know what battles are in your home. I don't know what battles are in your workplace. I don't know what battles are in your own heart, but this is what I do know. The Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit gives us access to the skill of war needed for the strategy to win the wars we're in. It's also a spirit of understanding, meaning God can give us perfect understanding and perfect knowledge of how we need to respond in a situation. It's also a spirit of counsel, Meaning he can give us advice or he can teach us how to plan for something. It's also a spirit of might, of strength and bravery to stand up against a culture that is emboldened against us and emboldened against the truth of the living God. While doing it with strength and might and humility and love. We will not win the Facebook war by screaming. I've never seen a post that drew me closer to Jesus, honestly, on Facebook or Instagram. Some of you may not even know what Facebook is. But I've seen God give me a strategy for a heart I've been sitting across a table from in a conversation. It's a spirit of knowledge, of awareness. It's also a spirit of the fear of the Lord. I don't know where your heart is today, but your Heavenly Father does. as we close this sermon or this message, I really felt led to offer you a few offerings. Javen, I don't know if you have any pastors that can just be present at the front to pray. I just want to invite you 
ask yourself the question, what do I have to give? Do you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you need to fall back in love with him like you did at the first? Do you need to be completely filled with the Holy Spirit and all that he has for you? Do you need to grab your family around you this morning and pray over them? cannot give what we do not have. God has placed us in the positions we are in because they are the positions he has called us to. We get to choose what we will do with what he has offered. As they sing, I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the pastors that will to come around the the stage. Whatever your need is today. I encourage you. not leave without being obedient to what God is inviting you to. Do you know what I've learned about the Lord through the years? That he does not bring things to our attention until it's time and our hearts are ready. So if you've been under the sound of this message today, it's because God knew it was time for you to hear it and your heart is ready to is up to us. The convicting power is up to the Holy Spirit. As we sing, I invite you to do what God is tugging on your heart to do. Father, thank you. Thank you for truth of your word that does not return void. And Father, I pray that each person in this room would have the courage to do whatever you're asking them to do with the word you have given. In Jesus' name I pray. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.